I read further in the Bible where, look, don't try to, to plan your life. You just say, here I am, God, use me. That's Gabe Smith, our special guest for episode 20 of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. I'm Brian Egan from the class of 86. Much more to be inspired by from Gabe coming up. But before we get started, thank you to the Alumni Association for allowing me to pop in via FaceTime on the meeting earlier this week. Appreciate all the great feedback we've been getting. If you listen to episode 19, you heard us talking to Paul Warren and Michael Dolan of the class of 68 and how in 2004, they actually found pieces of the foundation of the original school and how some of those stones have been refashioned into the spirit stones. As Gonzaga celebrates its bicentennial, consider all the decisions any school makes over the course of just one year let alone 200 years. Many small ones, some big ones, all of them add up to be consequential. Each decision is like a sculptor making a small carving, revealing something new in the remaining stone. Well, over 200 years, there are some big decisions, like the move to I Street, and the bigger one, to stay on I Street just over 100 years later when things looked bleak. Some decisions required great courage in the face of prevailing social norms, like in episode 12 when we talked about the courage of Coach Joe Kozik to play those Boys Town games in 1943 and 1945. Back when all-white teams did not play integrated teams, Gonzaga did. A few years later, in 1947, Jackie Robinson would break the color barrier in baseball. And then, in 1948, President Truman signs Executive Order 9981 that began the integration of the armed forces. At the start of a new decade, Gonzaga didn't wait. With the influence of a saintly Jesuit in 1950, Gonzaga made a huge decision and welcomed African-American students for the first time. Among them, Dr. Gabe Smith from the class of 54. Do you want me to call you doctor? Call me Gabe. I've got to get used to the doctor. (laughs) Gabe, give us some background on your grade school experience, because it's not like you grew up in Northwest DC or nearby Gonzaga. You grew up 80 miles away. Okay. I went to a school uh, down in Southern Maryland. St. Peter Clavers was run by Jesuits. Father McKenna was the Jesuit assigned to that school. And I used to serve mass for Father McKenna all the time. And what impressed me so much about him is that he looked at people as children of God and not any white, black, red, or green. As children of God, everybody deserved respect At the time, being a youngster, I said, wow, you know, I wonder if he learned this in Jesuit school or something. So one day I decided to ask him, I said, Father, could I become a Jesuit? And he said, sure, Gabe. He said, but you'll need a good Latin background. And uh, I had a sort of a look of consternation on my face. (laughs) He says, but I know exactly where you can get that kind of background. And uh, he says it's a school in Washington, D.C. called Gonzaga College High School. Well, the first thing that popped in my mind was Gonzaga. Washington, D.C. is like miles from down here. So I said, well, I'll pitch that out the door because I don't see how I can get there. But Father McKenna had a very close relationship with my father. Father McKenna says, uh, 
I talked to Mr. Smith, and I didn't hear any more about it until I was about to graduate. And then I found out I'd be going to Gonzaga College High School. I'd be living with my sister and her husband, uh, who lived about four or five blocks away from the school. Well, I, I wasn't going to tell my dad, no, I'm not going. You don't, you don't tell my dad things like that. Yeah, when dad goes to pull all those strings, you don't say no. You're right. <laughs> Gabe, do you remember what that first day of school was like? I walked into Gonzaga the first day, and all I saw were white faces. And I said, well, Father McKenna didn't tell me that this was an all-white school. And then before I even finished thinking about it, I said to myself, look, Father McKenna doesn't look at things like color and things. He looks at what the things that you want to get done and where you can get it done. And uh, he felt that everybody deserved respect and dignity. So I said, okay. Do you feel like you were treated with that respect when you arrived? When I got to Gonzaga, I learned the difference between love and hate, inclusion and exclusion. And it was amazing how when I went out to play recess, guys would form teams and say, come on, Gabe, you're on this team. And I'm, I'm looking kind of strange. And I, didn't, I didn't sign a funny team or anything. And, uh, but what I got from that was that you know, you're just another student, you know, so let's, let's go on and get it done. We're not, we're not worried about those other things. I was beginning to like that, you know. And then as we went to uh, lunch, I figured in my head that, okay, I'll be sitting at a table all by myself. Table was always full. And I said, hey, look, I'm loving this school because I'm being treated like I want to be treated as a human being and not this is a different kind of person or something. That followed me all the way through. Gabe, did you feel like the Jesuits had made it clear to the other students what the expectations were in terms of how to treat you? Or did that sense of inclusion that you felt feel genuine? I always thought that uh, there were two uh, Afro-Americans at Gonzaga before I got there. And I said, okay, maybe I'm having it so easy because these guys paved the way for me. They took all all the punishment. So, you know, all of a sudden, I'm no big deal, you know. Did you ever get the opportunity to find out if your suspicions were correct? I used to have lunch with one of the guys once a month. And he, uh, he left Gonzaga before. He didn't graduate. When I talked with him, he sort of let me know that uh, there were some instances, but uh, he didn't go through any big trauma, about, you know, because of his color. So I said, well, maybe, maybe, that's, not, maybe that's not true. Maybe, you know, these guys are just somehow taught to, hey, look, I want you to look at every individual as an individual who deserves respect and dignity. So... Gabe, you graduated in 1954, but I hear in your voice, you still care about this school, and and you kind of always have. I don't think that I could have gone to a school anywhere where I would fall in love with it the way I did at Gonzaga. They they really 
brought out a different feeling in me. I, I, uh, I'd come up, you know, separating things like a lot of the rest of the world had done. But uh, these guys seem to say, hey, look, uh, you're a child of God, so, you know, you're okay with us. And then after I got there, oh, my. Gabe, I know you did some extracurricular activities while you were at Gonzaga. You played some sports. Tell everyone what you remember the first time you took the football field. I played JV football, and one of the guys that I met was Joe Kosick. Joe coached the varsity, but he would always tell me, Gabe, aren't you stop by the office and talk to me sometime? I would stop by his office, and I love that guy because he never sort of insinuated that there's certain things I can't say to this guy because I might make him feel, hey, Joe told it like it was. <laughs> he said what he had to say. And I remember the football situation. I looked on his desk one day. I was there and I looked. I said, Joe, we're playing all of these teams from out of town. And we're the guys that we usually play. And Joe got up out of his seat and came around, put his arms around me. He said, Gabe. We start practice last week of August. I want you at those practices. And if you make this team, you're going to play football for us. Well, I was, I was kind of wondering. I said, well, he didn't exactly explain it, but what does he mean about if I make the team, I'm going to play football for him? So I didn't say anything, but further down the road, I found out what he was talking about. What did Joe mean? Last year, when I spoke with John Carmody before he passed away, John and Gabe both graduated in 1954. John shared his memory of what Joe Kozik was alluding to. There were other schools that wouldn't play as a football because Gabe might make the varsity. I remember playing in a game with him, and the other team just beat him, beat him up ferociously. You know, they just piled on, and he never, never complained. Boys had that same cheerful smile. He's the same way today as he was then, just a wonderful classmate. He's a great person. Gabe, at some point you must have understood the reason the schedule was changing was because of you. Joe never said that, okay, we won't play this and do this. You know, he went on and it was sort of like, you try and make this team and we'll take care of the schedule. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that to me, but... I said, okay, that's, that's the way it's going to go then. I, was, I came out to practice. We used to practice out at the armory. And uh, I remember the second week I tore my knee up. So I couldn't play football that year. And then I, uh, by the time I was able to play football again, all of a sudden things had changed back around. We were playing the teams that we used to. One of the things that stood out at that school and gave me a lifelong lesson, don't change your mind or do something someone else wants you to do. You do what you think is right. Amen. What stood out to me and the love I had for Gonzaga was that they didn't allow these other schools to dictate to them what to do. They did what they thought was right. I mean, from then on, things just kept happening. Joe was inducted into the uh, Gonzaga Football Hall of Fame. They inducted me. 
I don't know why I hadn't played varsity football, but I figured that it had something to do with that, with the incidents that went on at that time. When it got to the level of the football incidents, your team having your back, was that just an extra layer of appreciation or did you come to expect it at that point? Sure. In the beginning, when I got there, I was pretty much amazed that the way that I was treated. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, my class, I think uh, maybe five or six guys in my class that were, we were really close. We talked with the other guys and things like that, but no one, no one went off the hook and, you know, started bringing up racial things or anything. So I felt pretty comfortable going there because uh, anywhere you go, you're going to run into some kind of somebody's going to be antagonistic or something like that. So I pretty much had a barrier up about that. I didn't allow things like that to throw me off. Gabe, you made your career as a pharmacist. And one of the things I wonder is when you went to Howard University, did you feel like Gonzaga's academic rigor had you well prepared, or was it just as challenging as Gonzaga was? It was non-comparable. I'll say the first three years at Howard, I'd gone over those things at Gonzaga. Really? Yeah, I think that I might have slacked up a little where I could have been pushing myself harder, but <laughs> I kind of felt that, well, you know, I know the answers to these things, so I don't have to push myself so hard. Would any of your professors at Howard ask where you went to high school? Sometimes, yes. I always said to myself, well, my gosh, you know, this is going to be a breeze. You know, I've had most of these things. And I don't, I don't think I put as much effort into studying as I could have. Yeah, I have to confess, my first couple of years at St. Joe's uh, felt super easy thanks to what I learned at Gonzaga. Gabe, one of the other things I wanted to circle back to was your experience with Father Horace McKenna. He was a, a parish priest down at St. Peter Claver Church in Ridge, Maryland. In 1953, he was actually transferred to St. Al's. And then in the 60s, he spent some time at the Church of the Jesu in Philadelphia. Eventually, he would wind up back at St. Al's in the 1970s. Since you had known him for so long, how impressed were you at how he just continued to live out that mission of seeing God in everybody? Father McKenna, to me, uh, you know, I used to say this a lot, but uh, he's the only saint on earth that I've met. Because it was just the respect and compassion I had for him because of just who he was. And I, I think I remember, I don't know how I found out, but someone, someone had told me he came from a uh, family up in upper New York, kind of rich. And I said, what is he doing down here, wasting his time acting like a good human being? when he had everything that was possible. That didn't matter to Father McKenna. The thing that rang true about Father McKenna was that we're children of God and we deserve the respect that a child of God deserves. And of course, reading the Bible, I always read that. And it was one more thing as I grew older and I started uh, meditating on some of the things that happened in my life, I kept coming across the phrase, 
God sets our life up the way he wants. We don't have any problem with, I want it this way, I want it that way. God has a plan for your life, and you're not going to miss that plan, and you're not going to change that plan. As I meditated on the things that happened in my life, I, I could see where, wow, yeah, that's true. The distance from Gonzaga to the Maryland, problem. It's no problem. God had it all figured out, <laughs> you know, said, okay, he's going to go stay with his sister and brother-in-law in Washington. So, And then uh, he introduces you to the people who can formulate the plan he has for your life. And I thank Gonzaga so much for being an instrument that he used to formulate the plan for my life because I said, wow, you know, when I met Joe Cosley, all of a sudden here's a man who I instantly fell in love with. That wow, his Joe is really good. The things that happened at Gonzaga when I got there, when I found out about the difference between love and hate, I said, God planned all of that. And I said so. And then I read further in the Bible where look, don't try to to plan your life. You just say, here I am, God, use me. And it really is a miracle that you ended up on I Street, that you ended up in Father McKenna's parish, that you had a sister who lived near the school to move in with. Now, at last year's graduation ceremony, they honored you, Gabe, for being the first African-American to graduate. Father Planning took the unusual move. They don't do it very often, but the president awarded an honorary doctorate to you. What did that feel like? When Father Planning told me about the events that were coming up, I was talking to a friend from Gonzaga. He said, Gabe, you, it's great that you're the first African-American to graduate from Gonzaga. How do you feel? I said, well, if it wasn't me, it would be someone else. And the guy seemed to really get upset. He said, look, you were the first. He says, don't, don't play that cheap, you know. I said, yeah, so Babe Ruth was the first one to hit 60 home runs. So he says, and that will never be taken from him. He was the first to do it. You got to get yourself together. And I said, okay, all right, don't use that. I won't look at it as less of an accomplishment. I'm glad that I was able to do it. You know, whatever good came out of it. He said, well, there's a lot of good coming out of it. You know, he says, my sons are going to Gonzaga, and mostly because of you. I said, okay, all right. But he seemed to really get upset, you know. Yeah, this is where it gets a little tricky, Gabe. I totally understand your humility, and then listening to you talk about the impact of God on your life, I can totally see why you would just assume, well, if it weren't me, Kozik or Father McKenna would have influenced someone else. But no, you were the one. And all the others since, 1,100 African-American students have graduated since 1954. The enrollment now is 13% African-American at Gonzaga. It was half of a percent when you were there. Yes, the ripple effect of your courage, your intellect, your hearts, and your humility is what we're celebrating with that doctorate degree that Father Planning gave you last year. I don't know. I think I picked up some humility from Father McKenna, but seeing how he 
went about doing things and this is the way the world should be, you know. And uh, I'm saying, wow, as a youngster at that time, I'm saying, that's not the way I see the world, but okay, Father. (laughs) One of the things that impresses me so much, Gabe, is how much you love this school. You've come back, you've spoken to Onyx alumni events. I still remember back in 2017, reading the comment you made when the Gabe Smith entrance to Buchanan Field was being dedicated. You said... You may leave Gonzaga, but... Gonzaga will never leave you. So true. That is absolutely true. Thank God, first of all. But I thank Gonzaga for being the instrument through which he worked to get these things done. And I'll always love it. Dr. John Gabriel Smith from the class of 54. What a life. What a man for others to inspire all during Black History Month. The courageous 1950 decision of Gonzaga to integrate, ahead of many other schools, ahead of the 1954 Brown versus the Board of Education Supreme Court decision, left a permanent mark on the character of Gonzaga. And just like the sculptor who uses a chisel, the character of today's Gonzaga would take great effort to be revealed. But beginning with Gabe, the work was being done, and there's still more work to do. But with that sculptor's chisel, Gonzaga's leaders continue to chip away at prejudice, sweep out the rubble of racism, so new generations of men for others can walk through those doors of 19th Street and see God in all people, just like Father McKenna saw in Dr. Gabe Smith all those years ago. That puts a wrap on episode 20 of the Echo Ever Proudly podcast. Next week in episode 21, our Black History Month focus continues. We're going to introduce you to an African-American graduate who helped start something really big at Gonzaga. Hi, my name is Chuck Lewis. I'm a graduate of the class of 1977, and I was the first station manager of WZAG. We hear from Chuck, Danny Costello, and Darrell Bachnight from the class of 2015. Remember, feedback is welcome. You can always shoot me an email, podcast at gonzaga.org. We love those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, ad maorium, dei gloriam, and hail Gonzaga. Martin.